here we are. Real, real ASMR hour. Oh no, <laughs> it's not those hours yet. Ah mm. oh, yes. Okay, great. It's before nine p.m. God, Jesus, stop. <laughs> it's before nine p.m. What um, do you have? To have a special mic? I think a condenser mic. A super sensitive one. I don't. I don't know. I don't have one. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's not this. I'm sort of um. Morbidly fascinated with ASMR people. Are you? Because it all—it seems to be on the verge of like pornography, but for people who get off on weird stuff, like sounds, like sounds, and like blonde ladies, and, like, vampire roleplay, for doing oh, sexy, wet noises with their mouths. Oh, let's not talk about this. Let's not. Let's talk about something else, like June. Before, okay, well, before you said the words "blonde ladies, wet noises, and mouths," I was gonna say, you know, JC, I feel like you'd have a great voice for ASMR, oh. but now I would like to redact that, Thank considering you. your later statements. Well, I'm not I'm not blonde, and none of the noises that come out of my mouth can be described as wet or sexy, so there you go. in session let's begin our lessons yeah like on the simpsons yeah we had a summer holiday so that's why we didn't edit or record any a long one like ages. the universities do yeah. Josie went to america america i went to hell it's oh. good <laughs> and ireland you I also went, went to ireland it was very nice oh that's nice that's where yeah, i am that's where you're from and today we have a special guest it's sarah hi hi i'm sarah i've just i've just made my way through matriculation excited to start classes at the university <laughs> uh my pronouns are she her Aww. and uh i've enrolled in worm studies, studies. It's, it's um combined germ german and worm and Woman. <laughs> Woman, the new language. Um, I am so pleased, Sarah, that you have decided to wholeheartedly take part in the um role playing aspect of the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm ready to roll around in the sand with you. Thank you. Yay! We appreciate in the, it. In the sand of the Dune planet, Arrakis. Yes. So, we read chapter twenty. Oh, do we want to ask Sarah what? Sarah's relationship with the Dune planet That's a is? very good idea that we should do. Sarah, what's your relationship with Dune? My relationship with Dune is... I actually want to say, because it, it was a big mood, in that I read these chapters in the bath two days ago. Ooh, and serious. I was reading the chapters, and, you know, the first one was, like, Paul and his ma were out in the, in the Dunes! In the like, dunes. being like, oh, fuck. The desert is terrifying. There's no water, and I'm sitting there submerged up to my neck in water, like ah, oh, yes. uh, suckers, fuckers. 
ha, fantasy, <laughs> the fantasy of this situation. Um, but no, my my relationship to Dune, I've actually read it twice. Oh, wow. Um, you should be teaching the classes, Sarah, rather than matriculating. But the thing is, every time, like, I only find out that Paul was supposed to be a white boy whenever I listened to university first or second episode, <laughs> and y'all were like, yeah, he's such a white boy, and I'm like, fucking really? Oh my god. He's got a thin nose. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> My no system. Um, but yeah, all that to show that the previous two times I've read the Book of Dune, I have paid precisely no attention to like any of the subtext or anything that's going on. I've just read it, and I'm like, oh, cool worm, cool worm, sick. Oh, someone died. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing I've ever gotten from Dune. That's the best way to read. And I've read it twice. All books, I think, just be like, yeah, sick. I love this shit and not think about themes at all. I think I think I actually have like reading difficulties because I only read like every third line or something and I kind of piece together what happened from there. So Dune was a very confusing, but I did manage to see the cool worms, yeah. so it's all that's worth what it, it's I all guess. about really. And yeah, that's that's me and Jin. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for joining us on this podcast that we do. <laughs> <laughs> I've, this is, it's been so long that I've literally forgotten how we begin this podcast, but I will say that we've read... Okay, we're on the, we're on the second book of the first book of June. Book two. Book two. Mwadib. It says in big letters Mwadib here. It does. So I assume this book is about the Mwadib? It says in slightly smaller Mwadib. letters Mwadib. Yeah, so we read the first and second chapters of Mwadib. Mwadib to me. Mwadib. So Mwadib to me. Like, it's all Greek to me, but it's... it's <laughs> It's more it's deep to me. Yeah. Um. You say it with an air of resignation. Mm. Um. I, I think I think we should jump right in to the chapter. Yeah. I was uh, going to suggest that Sarah reads the quote. One of us could read the quote. One of us could do a summary. Yes. Now the reason, mm. Sarah, unless if you feel comfortable reading this quote because it is a heck and chonker. Um. And uh, I think it is a heck and chonker. It's very long. It is very long. I mean. I was I was looking at it and I was like, right, are the lads gonna ask me to read this out? Probably. <laughs> and I think I might try and read this as fast as I possibly can because it's so long. I mean you can you can do the uh the, the second chapters one if you prefer. Yes. Well you could either you could either read it as fast as you could, which I would you know, I would respect if you chose to do that. You could also really draw it out and give us a really dramatic rendition, which I would very much appreciate. Um, it's pretty much up to you. Well, I mean, you can give it to someone else. What do, What do you choose? I don't want to punish you in your I... first week of classes. No, I I feel like I'm hammering this. Uh, it's funny. Keep going. Too, too hard. Uh, the thing is, it's not that interesting a quote, so I think I'm just gonna blitz through it. Sure, go ahead. Noah offense to it. Noah offense. Okay. Noah, Noah offense. Oh, it's you give to me. When my father, the Padishash Emperor, heard of Duke Leto's death in the manner of it, he went into such a rage as we had never before seen. He blamed my mother on the compact forced upon him to place a better Jesuit on the throne. He blamed the guild and the evil old baron. He blamed everyone in sight, not excepting even me, for he said I was a witch like all the others. And when I sought to comfort him, saying it was done according to the older law of self-preservation, which even most interest gave allegiance, he sneered at me and asked if I thought him a weakling. I saw that he had been aroused to his passion by not our concern over the dead Duke, but by what death implied for all royalty. As I look back, and I think that there may have been some in my father too, for it is certain that his line and Mua did shared some common ancestry in my father's house by the Princess Irulan. Who is the Princess Irulan? Thank Sarah, you, that's Princess astonishing. Irulan. My God, how Amazing. did you do that? You absolutely cantered through it. We you love it. Cantered through it. It was a rising trot. <laughs> it 
definitely um, was. I'm amazed that you managed to make no mistake. That's just how fast Irish people speak. <laughs> wow. Yes. Sarah's slowing down for the benefit of all of the rest of us. Thank you for um, code switching. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought this quote, like, to read, to read this quote isn't interesting. But in the context of the chapter, it kind of is interesting. Because as well as being about shit, Arrakis is scary. This chapter is sort of about heredity and like human nature, the way that the book Dune perceives it to be. And I thought that it was sort of vaguely interesting. I mean, I think all the the the, the relationship between the chapter and the quote can be tenuous. Yeah, it can be very sort of silly and kind of like, oh, I wish that Frank, in his wisdom, had put this here and that there. Mm. Um, but for this, I think it's very direct. So, yeah. Like, you know, he's sort of talking about... So, I saw then that he had been aroused to this passion, not by concern over the dead duke, but by what that death implied for all royalty. I think he's talking about jihad again, and talking about, like, the fate of humans to conquer and to be destroyed and all of that shit. And this kind of comes in in the chapter as well, a little bit. Mm. Um, But it's thinking more about the way that humans sort of give themselves up for the future of humanity, which is what Jihad is linked to sort of in, in this book and in the previous chapter. Also, um, sort of about the, the, bees, the Bee Gees. Yeah, the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. Oh, sorry. I realized the, the Bee Gees. <laughs> Jessica singing How Deep Is Your Love. How deep is your voice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually works as a it's pretty deep man. Yeah. Can I just say, can, can I just say, Y'all are really fucking smart. Huh? What? I'm like, I mean, I read that quote. <laughs> didn't understand a word of it. And now I do. Thank you, wow. University. Knowledge. One of our students is learning. I feel so incredibly validated. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> well, we are, um, we, we're educators. Yeah, We have sure. the, um, <laughs> the sacred duty of passing on bullshit interpretations of... <laughs> 20th century sci-fi novels. I feel like I read this book the way that I did my GCSEs, which is by bullshitting every interpretation that I could possibly, like, forge from nothing. You know in the John Mulaney joke where he says, oh, college is stupid because you can show up to a class and say, I think Emily Dickinson was a lesbian and they have to give you partial credit. That's this. Yeah. I think the best comedy (laughs) you can do on your podcast is by, like, recounting another person's stand-up bit. I agree. (laughs) Um, so, um, I think, I, I think, I think Paul's a lesbian. (laughs) Partial credit. Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yes, definitely. A hundred university points. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You get first. Um, Well, I mean, just by coming on the podcast, you have a guaranteed first. (laughs) That's true. What's the degree in? We don't know. It doesn't matter. You get to fill in your degree here (laughs) on this line. Um... So what happens in the Chappens? Yeah, what, ha- <laughs> what does happen in the Chappens? I don't like that. <laughs> What's chappening? We could go with what happens in the chapters. I don't know. That's quite good. What's chap- <laughs> what what happens in the chapter? Yeah. Uh, I thought this first chapter was a big mood. Yeah. 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 I was into this chapter. I would like you to explain in what way it's a big mood. It was mood. very aesthetic. Yeah. Do we do a summary? We do. We haven't done it yet. Me? No, no, no. Sarah, Sarah, you've always, you've, you've done more than enough. Um, 
Sarah, you've already <laughs> laid down your soul to read us no. this beginning quote. I've given more educational uh, feedback than I possibly could ever again by saying Paul was a lesbian, so I'm out of here. I've got my partial credit, I'm done. You're coasting from now on. I'm going outside for you've a smoke. got a guaranteed pass. <laughs> okay, so I feel like there's a little time lapse between the end of the last book, Appleby mm-hmm. book, and this new book. Yeah. Um, Paul uh, awakens in the still tent on the June planet Arrakis. Um, and I don't know, like, he and his mum wake up and they have a talk about how everything's bad now that um, they had to flee the compound uh, or, uh, that they were staying in and all their friends are gone, like Duncan, he's gone. Yeah, he's um, fucked off. He's, Duncan is not there. Um, uh, and then they look at the the alien landscape and all that jazz. Sand, mostly. They're mostly noticing uh, how much sand there is. Mm-hmm. Wow. All of the sand. Amazing. Um, and we sort of see... The, the important thing about this chapter, I think, is... The, um, the fact that we realise how awful it is to try and live in an extremely harsh landscape mm. where there is no water and you do have to wear this horribly invasive suit which mm. feeds you nasty water. Nasty body water. Your own nasty body water. Nasty, terrible. Um, and how, how unpleasant that all is. So uh, we get a lot of description of how bad the still suit feels, mm. how bad the water is. Yeah. Like flat and bad and nasty. Nasty. Um, and how much easier it would be to go to sleep. All the bad dreams that you have when you're have you have you had such a bad time mm-hmm. on the June planet already and your dad's dead. Um, he sure is. And then so Duke, uh, well the new Duke Paul, mm. little Duke Paul, and young young Y U N G young mm. like the rappers yeah. have it Duke mm-hmm. Paul. Uh, they talk about how uh, how essentially they're going to survive, how they're going to try and get the Harkonnens back, and Paul's advice is to hit him in the spice. He literally says the place to hit them is in the spice. Yeah. Uh, although the spice is ambient, it's everywhere, it's all around. So how can you possibly hit them in the spice? Which is what Jessica thinks. Um, and essentially, he he theorizes that the best way to do this is to. Uh, link up with the Fremen. There's a bit of agonising about how Paul is is a Harkonnen and Jessica is also a Harkonnen, and how they've both they both know now that they're part of the Harkonnen family by blood. Oh, and sure that's all very bad. Mm-hmm. More deserty things. They collapse the tent. They come out of the tent, and they're all like very dehydrated and stuff. There's more sand. There's small animals and birds, which is nice. We love to see them. We love to see them. Actually, there's another small animal later on in the second chapter. Yes. I'm like, oh my god, this is the best. It's good. I really. We have a lot to say about. <laughs> we have a lot to say about the bat. The bat. We have a lot to say. <laughs> the bat that drinks the spit. Um. <laughs> uh, there's a sort of there's a description of a far away pillars of fire type thing, jet flares and laser guns. Mm. Um, the the Hark is theorized to be either the Harkonnen Thopters or the Atreides's, 
shooting their guns up in the sky. Shooting their big guns. Actually, it's a good bit of writing. Lots of exclamation yeah. marks. I really like it, but then it immediately becomes stupid. Yes. Yes. And sort of we leave the scene with the, the hiss of thopters above Paul yes. and Jessica as they begin to decide to make their way through the desert. Very good summary. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yes. you. Thank <laughs> you. Very good summary. Thank you. So, so, what do we like about this chapter? I mean, really, it was the whole mood. Yeah. Um, I think if 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 Dune was uh, an animated film, which I feel like it should be, that'd be pretty. Yeah. Nice. Dune anime when? Dune anime when? Sorry. So if Dune was an anime, <laughs> the the scene this scene would be in the background of like a twenty four hour lo fi hip hop mix. Oh yeah. Of just, like, Paul and Jessica in the tent, like, the vast expanse of desert around them, like, small animals around the place. It was just a whole mood. Mm. Uh, and that's what I liked about it. I also did, like, um, you know, bits of world building. Mm. And the fact they kind of really got into the nitty gritty of, like, what the deal with the still suits are. Yeah. You know, the fact they have a still tent. The fact that, you know, this environment is out to kill them if they make a wrong move um it kind of it, it felt very because i gotta say i didn't read the previous two chapters so i don't actually know how they got here and i haven't listened to the last episode of university ah, well <laughs> well go away and do that and then come back it's very important <laughs> so yeah so I don't actually know how they got here, but I just feel their kind of desperation almost if, as in like, the fuck are we gonna do now? Yeah. I'm always really interested in how these chapters read kind of in isolation, um, which is a lot of the time why mm. I don't want our guests to read the rest of the book and just be like, hey, I have these. <laughs> but the last the last chapter is like the, the pool get woke chapter, the mind going places chapter, the like oh, fuck, my dad's dead, and also I'm a freak, and also I'm the Kwisatz Haderach, like, chapter. So this is, like, a lot calmer, but also okay. scary still. Yeah. So is the fact that he's kind of woke, is that the reason that he's really kind of creepy in this chapter? Because he's kind of creepy in this chapter. He was very creepy last chapter, and he continues to be creepy in this chapter. Mm, it's an aftermath of revelations sort mm. of chapter. Yeah, he gets all his brain psychic powers, and he continues to be an absolute piece of shit yeah but that's why he's creepy it's because he's he's psychic and he can see time a lot of sphincters in this one yeah yeah at least three sphincters you know do you ever get obsessed with a word and you just like find yourself writing it a bunch i feel like frank does that i feel like frank does that in every chapter but with a different word yeah and like, you always oh, notice it this chapter is going to be about sphincters yeah this chapter was sphincter. i'm gonna just just shoehorn in a sphincter i don't like to hear it i have to say I feel like sphincter is something gross to do with your body. Yeah, it's like it's like your um as an orifice. It's like your bum hole. Oh, right. Like yeah, I I I learned about sphincters in school, and they were nasty and bad. Sphincter is a circular muscle that normally maintains constriction of a natural body passage or orifice, and which relaxes as required by normal physiological functioning. So yes, it's a butthole. Yeah, don't like that. Don't yeah. like that. To me. Is a is a sphincter a sort of worm? This what this diagram of one looks like a worm. I don't. This is a, this is a bad discussion. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not gonna. No, I'm just gonna stop talking. What were you saying? <laughs> gonna nip that idea I had in the bud. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna suggest, <laughs> I was gonna suggest that a worm is just a long, long series of 
sphincters. I feel like that might be true. Series of sphincters. Series of sphincters. <laughs> oh, can you stop looking at sphincters? <laughs> I'm sorry, I Google image search so sphincters. Bad. I don't like to see. <laughs> like Google image searching no. worm. It's a bad it's scene. A bad idea. Okay, okay. So let's talk. I want to talk about a word that's good that I enjoy to see and read. It's the word thopter. Yeah. I quite enjoy the feeling of the word thopter and the kind of onomatopoeia that that suggests, like an aircraft thingy going thop, 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 I like it. And I like that it's short for ornithopter. Mm. Like, I don't know what ornithopter means. Well, ornithopter is like bird shit. Bird-like, right? Yeah, bird and shit. also it talked about, it talks about in the other um, chapter about how the ornithopters kind of fold up their wings like birds. So actually yeah. that's a very beautiful image. Yeah. Good job, Frank. You evoked a vehicle. Yeah. There's another word in this chapter, and that word is upthrusting. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, baby. Upthrusting. Mm-hmm. Let me just uh, find that. Uh... Oh, the laser. Oh, the upthrusting orange glares. Ah. Yeah. Actually, I really. I love that bit, though. I did like this. I kind of gave me a sort of. And I know Blade Runner and June get confused in my head because I saw Blade Runner on the same day I saw June. Yeah. But it gives me a kind of um, cyberpunk yeah, for sure. type feeling because it's the all colors are very vivid. bright lights against the black sky. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Really Shall we give it a read? It's yes. it. This is the part that's like the vaporwave mix instead of the lo-fi hip hop mix. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a read. Give it a read. Where shall I start? An orange glare. Well, shall I start the fi rock profile? Yeah, because it's not being beautiful at that it, bit. I mean, the thing that I really like about this, not to not to get um, not to not to be overly analytical or like literary pretentious, uh-huh. even though that is my whole thing. It's obviously, uh, it does have a metaphorical double cross of you because it it you start off talking about the rock formation looking like a battleship mm. and then you s- realize that it is a battleship that you're talking about mm. um as the as the description goes on it's really good yeah. i thought that was very sophisticated and yeah. interesting a piece of writing it starts out like really beautiful and then you sort of realize halfway through that something really terrible is happening yes. which I like. anyway yeah. so the faraway rock profile was like an ancient battleship of the seas outlined by stars the long swish of it lifted on an invisible wave with syllables of boomerang antennae, funnels arcing back, a pie-shaped upthrusting at the stern. An orange glare burst above the silhouette and a line of brilliant purple cut downward and toward the glare. Another line of purple, exclamation mark, and, and another <laughs> upthrusting orange glare. <laughs> That's two upthrusting! It was like an ancient naval battle, remembered shell fire, and the sight held them staring. Pillars of fire, Paul whispered, yeah, like deep. tears in rain. <laughs> um, a, a, a ring of red eyes lifted over the distant rock. Lines of purple laced the sky. Jet flares and laser guns, Jessica said. The dust-reddened first moon of Arrakis lifted above the horizon to their left, and they saw the storm trail there. A ribbon of movement over the des- desert, and then they talk about how it must be the 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 thopters. The thopters. And then that bit's so beautiful, and I really really liked it. And when I read it, I was like, "Wow, that's great! I'm really into this." And then immediately, um, Paul says, "The way you'd stamp out a nest of insects," and then Jessica says, "Or a nest of, of a, a trade. Trade. <laughs> 
Weird <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> get it, Paul? Get it, Paul? Metaphor. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. It's dumb as hell. I, d- I do... I do appreciate Jessica's like drama queen tendency here. <laughs> like Me too. I love her. Same here. Same hat, Jessica. Same hat. She's great. She is really like um in this chapter, she sort of remarks on how her husband is dead and her Bene Gesserit, she's sort of betrayed them by like having Paul. And she sort of in this chapter, she kind of like quietly commits herself to her children um, and the future of her children and the things that her children are going to do she like sort of I don't know if this is misogynistic or not writing from Frank but she sort of like subsumes her will for both of her children just like silently as she's climbing out of a hole in the sand yes she says this world uh, okay Jessica followed automatically noting how she lived now in her son's orbit for now is my grief heavier than the sands of the seas, she thought. Which is what I'm going to say every time anything upsets me. <laughs> this world has emptied me of all but the oldest purpose, tomorrow's life. I live now for my young duke and the daughter yet to be. Which is sad, but also feels a bit like misogynistic, right? To be like, yes, the mother character, she gives up all of her like self like possession and will for her child who is now the heir but it's yeah. very like um classical yeah women's story place in the story type thing for that, sure oh yes now that my my lord my duke is gone i must subsume my life to the betterment of my heir my son and also whatever other offspring i might have but most importantly my son i guess yeah um, so, also, can we just like think for the sec for a second of the fact that Jessica is having to do all this like hard physical work while also pregnant? Yeah, she's pregnant. Pregnant. <laughs> Poor Jessica. Je- Jessica become pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica become pregnant. I don't know. I don't know if I get it. Okay, let me Google. But, um, like, I don't know... Don't worry it. about it. It's just, like, it's got a sort of um sci-fi and fantasy male author tendency... For sure. ...to, to like, just maximise the suffering of female characters with this kind of, like... What did Margaret Atwood call it? Reproductive horror? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Am I pregnant? <laughs> Brigante. <laughs> Am I Brigante? <laughs> In Pigante. Can I be pregnant? How do I know if I'm pregnant? This is so sad. <laughs> um, sorry. I just, I just think it's um, Frank's kind of doing almost the bare minimum here, and that like, I feel like a worse sci-fi author would force Jessica to like, you know, be all droopy and incapable of doing stuff while picante yeah but like you know the fact that she is doing all this physical labor while gregonito is (laughs) 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 i appreciate it (laughs) oh dear it's such a shame it's just (laughs) gregonite Picante. Um, anyway, 
Yeah, yeah. It must be really yeah, hard actually, on her. I, I have also, to... Jessica has been portrayed as epic for this whole book. She is epic. She is epic. I mean, also, I think probably, Frank, you're right, Frank does not go hard as hell on the idea of, of Jessica being pregnant. Yeah. Uh, actually, you're right. He barely even, even mentions it um, because fetus is extremely still a fetus. Mm. Uh, and also, I, I just attach so so much fear to the idea of being pregnant. I'm just like, dang, and also she's pregnant. Yeah, let's How not scary think about that. that. Um, <laughs> she's pregnant. Um, okay. Just like, oh, yeah? I read this book, as I said, twice. Both times, forgot that she was pregnant until later on in the book when, spoiler, 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 some kind of shit goes down mm, with that. Yes. Um... And that happens, like, in the last third of the book. And I read this and I was like, damn, she's been pregnant the whole fucking time. Why was I supposed to know this? I didn't notice. Sarah, you're a genius. I love it. I can't read. <laughs> Thank you for having me on podcast. Thank you for coming. We appreciate you so much. Um, mm. Jessica says another badass thing. So, Starlight displaced just enough of the night to charge each shadow with menace. She looked at patches of blackness. Black is a blind remembering, she thought. You listen for pack sounds, for the cries of those who hunted your ancestors in a past so ancient only your most primitive cells remember. The ears see. The nostrils see. Mm. My nostrils. <laughs> My nostrils, they see. Tiny little eyeballs in there, up in there. Looking. Hey, uh, smart people, can you tell me what that means? Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> because I don't get it. So Jessica, I think, Jessica's... A lot of this book is about like human, like human nature and human urges and human abilities. Um, so Jessica is sort of talking about like the way that she's like it's scary in the dark because of your big ancestral deep memories that make you think that there's scary things out there because there might have been um, and you had to be on guard for them. The thing it does here, I guess, is like heighten how dangerous the desert is and remind remind us that they're all they're both still human even in this rarefied space atmosphere yeah and also like i think ancestors are important to this book for reasons ah reasons question mark <laughs> hmm. Hmm. but it's like uh it links links their terrestrial past mm. with also our terrestrial present yeah and terrestrial past yeah and i think it links to the chapter quote a bit tenuously but because it's about like human nature and human destiny mm. yeah mm. destiny i quite like the metal line that paul opens up with it's oh, pretty metal fuck yeah now we're gonna show you we're gonna... um i just it's just pretty metal that's it that's all that was me trying to do a sick riff with ah. my voice but uh <laughs> kind of missed the mark there like, I wonder if this is a reference to something because I don't understand what's happening. The only note that I wrote about this chapter were um, that it shows the new dynamic between Paul and Jessica, where Paul is like feeling very bitter about the shit that we discussed last chapter, and also he's kind of like he's like I'm the Duke now, so I boss you around, mother. mother. I'm in charge, mother. 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 And Jessica is like he doesn't. Uh, she's just, uh, all his life he has been trained to hate Harkonnens, she thought. Now he finds he is Harkonnen because of me. How little he knows me. I was my duke's only woman. I accepted his life and his values, even to defying my Bene Gesserit orders. Poor Jessica. Poor I love Jessica. Her. And Jessica is like, well, you don't know me as a human being, Paul, yeah. my son, because, because you don't know son. what my life is. Yeah. 
you don't you don't know my life and i mean i'm glad jessica has that i'm glad that frank has written jessica with that level of thinking about it mm. because he could so easily be like yeah she's in the wrong but her, showing her thinking this is a nice amount of perspective for us to have on this situation also i mean i feel like this the immutability of the badness of harkonnen's and, and paul's mind is unmovable because he's been trained she says trained to ha- hate them since birth yeah um but am i given to understand yes ray yes. and others who in the, the metaphorical podcast room who have read dune yes that um in in <laughs> earlier dune history yeah although later dune books yes yes this is brian bloody brian this is an anti-brian podcast yes. as we know fuck brian um, <laughs> The Harkonnen used to be good and the Atreides used to be bad. Yes, that is true. Ah. I don't know any details about it. Ah. And also, let's get, just do a little quick um, rundown of uh, some of the good clothes that we have. Clothes and technology. Because uh, Paul, uh, he collapses the still tent. And, okay, alright, I'll read a bit. The tent glow tab came alight under Paul's hand, filled the domed area with green radiance. Paul crouched at the sphincter. His still suit hood adjusted mm. for the open desert. So this is the thing that they used to prepare to go into the open desert. Mm. Um, forehead really capped, cool. mouth filter in place, nose plugs adjusted, only his dark eyes are visible, a narrow band of face that turned once towards her and away. Uh, desert costume. That's what you wear to go to the yeah. desert. As, as I guess, as I guess, I'm technically a costumes expert. Um, <gasps> oh, are you? Sarah yes. costumes. Yes, I do. It's your name, I, even. My... my Exactly. My my thing is I'm a costume designer, costume maker, costume ah, person. Wow, that's cool. And Sarah's really cool. Through, but yeah, like throughout this chapter, you know, with all the descriptions of the still suits mm. and how they work mechanically and stuff, it just really struck me how like unsexy they are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I feel like in the upcoming film, and actually in the David Lynch film, there were like these sexy segmented black with his nipple flaps david like sort of hr giga shiny latex bondage stuff yeah yeah and i just think that any i don't because i don't know what the new film's gonna look like i don't think any images have been released of it right but i think a costume designer that was to make these look good would like kind of feel like have failed at their job because you know they're all utility and they yeah, they're not supposed yeah. to look good. Mm. They're supposed to they they're instruments of survival. Yeah. And they're gonna put like La Timothée Chalamet, yeah. the Timmy, in no. just like a little black jumpsuit. I and think have they're gonna make it. them look sexy. And they're gonna have he's gonna have like little pads on all the, the all his elbows and stuff. And it's just gonna be I don't know more decorative than it needs to be. Mm. It, I think I think this actually sh- the one of the one of the good things about the David Lynch movie mm. is that some of it looks so cheap and shit, <laughs> and it really just should. Yeah. And also like the 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 contrast between the cheap shitness of the <laughs> the desert costumes and then like the the seventeenth century yeah. space wizard like Ben Gesserit dresses with the pointy hats mm. and the Everyone's got a low cut bodice on. We love Patrick it. Stewart's low cut bodice. Oh yeah. You know, Ooh. it's just it looks really um utilitarian. I've actually to this day too scared to watch the David Lynch film. Oh, it's so good. It's not scary at all. It's legit. And it, awesome. Not as in like not that I think it's scary, oh, okay. but just <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't like I don't want to 
I don't know if I could handle it. Why? Why? It's just, it seems so cheesy. So It is cheesy. Much. It's so much. It's incredibly much. It's more even than the book. You sort of just like, you just have to eat crisps and laugh at it. You just gotta have a, you gotta have a buttload of crisps. And laughter. You gotta watch Blade Runner immediately before. <laughs> and then you gotta have lots of crisps. And it has to be late at All night. Right, and yeah, you have to I'll... watch it with your brother. Yeah. That's how you do it. Alright. I'll, uh, you know, alchemy manufacture myself a brother <laughs> and then stock up in Dorito- Doritos and we'll be grand. Um... um... The other thing I had to say about still suits was actually applies to the next chapter in that there is a a Freeman guy and it actually shows how his like body has adapted to constantly wearing a still suit. I found that really interesting. I think there's a bit he has like some facial hair and like some of it's missing because that's where his like nose plug goes and shit like that. And yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I th- I feel like the Fremen have kind of styled out the still suit a bit. Absolutely. But also there's a really interesting bit in Children of Dune where like um Arrakis Pets of Dune. <laughs> where Arrakis <laughs> become sort of like it's got lots of um like expat format and they all wear like fashion still suits uh, and all of the Fremen fucking hate oh the fashion God. still suits they're like these are so impractical it's like, they don't even conserve your water it's like when you go to, to Africa and you wear a safari costume yeah get out of here get out of here um, like the joke in 30 Rock about wearing a warlord's concubine dashiki I feel like I'm done with this chapter yeah I more to say. I'm done yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's it. It's a short chapter as well. I just. Fair. I want to. I want to talk about the Fremen guy in the next chapter yeah, and like yes. how sexy he is. Before that, <gasps> I would like to take a little intermission of reading tweets where people say that they would like to feed him if they found him missing. Ding da ding da ding Uh huh. Uh huh. I just want to tuck Timothy Chalamet into bed and feed him soup. I do want to feed Timothy Chalamet soup. Hang on, I feel like I can provide musical interlude to this. Sorry about this. I can be silent on this. No, no. Oh! <laughs> okay, I'm going to play some gentle flute music in the background while uh, you guys read these out. Okay, we ready? Yeah. yeah. I can be silent on this. <laughs> I can be silent on this no longer for exclamation marks. Timothy Chalamet is not hot or sexy. He looks like a 14-year-old sick Victorian boy who is in desperate need of a hearty bowl of soup and a good night's sleep. True. If you just search feed Timothy Chalamet soup using Twitter search engine, you get to see an actual crowd of girls who really express interest in this. Ladies, it's time for you to adopt a child for real. (laughs) Are we done? We're done. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) That's more. I'm glad I can contribute. This this is the first music musical guest we've had on university uh and musical I... episode two let me read one more it's, uh play that funky music my type in men is skinny nerdy looking boys who need a hot bowl of soup circa timothy chalamet can... or neil from dead poet society boys that i could probably crush or would blow out the window of my car if i rolled it down <laughs> i really like the improper use of circa i know i think that's very good <laughs> Circa mm, 1990 Timothy Chalamet? How old, 19, how old is Timothy Chalamet? I don't know. He's, I, mean, I think he's like, the same age as us. Circa, like, because you usually say it for a time. Yeah, but not a person. Oh. I don't know. It didn't really work. I
I want to have a sleepover with Timothy Chalamet. Boo. We could just have some quality time watching the Digimon movie or Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> Mr. Chalamet, if you see this, come on down and I'll make you some soup. Everyone must be, he must be so tired of people offering him soup. I feel like if he was to eat something slightly more substantial, he'd be less, uh, yeah. He, well, he'd be more, I feel is like my point. He doesn't need soup, he needs, like, some heart, some bread. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I mean, my, fi- my feelings about Timothy are basically nil. <laughs> Just bland, um, bland nothing. I just, I really don't like. The only time I ever think about him is when I see the picture of that horse. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, the sickly horse. This is like that's you, that's you baby. <laughs> that's you baby. But uh, but I just, I managed to see a picture of him uh in the uh, the the metro, Ooh. the fun newspaper you get on the the tube of London. Yes. London's famous tube. London's famous tube railway, uh-huh. where um, <laughs> he appeared to be inhaling this poor woman on a on a yacht. I was like, Timmy, you're too young to inhale women. Calm down. Touch her mouth from your mouth. Get you some soup. Get you some soup. <laughs> Get you some motherfucking soup. So the I'm just looking at pictures of Timothy Chalamet here, and he's crappy and spoopy. Crappy and spoopy, like what I want. That's all I have to say. You're right. Yeah. I think he's he looks like be, a haunted ghost doll boy. I think he's going to be great in Little Women because it looks like he already has cholera. He is the Little Woman. I'm going to burst into class and say Timothy Chalamet is a lesbian and get half credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> great. Now that you have two half credits, you have a full credit. Well you passed the class. That's a first. That's how it works. My father once told me that respect My for the truth. My father once told me that respect for the truth goes close to being the basis for all morality. Something cannot emerge. Nothing he said. This is profound thinking. If you understand how simple it could be. Well. And they don't stop coming 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 and they don't once told me that respect for the truth comes close to being the basis for all morality. Something cannot emerge from nothing, he said. This is profound thinking, if you understand how unstable the truth, in scare quotes, can be. From Conversations with Muad'Dib by the Princess de Rilon. So before I read the chapter summary, I think it's incredibly funny that the first line of the chapter is, I've always prided myself on seeing things the way they truly are, directly contradicted by the chapter quote. We love it. We love it. Um, I also wrote next to it, okay, dude, what does this mean? But he's a mentat. It's said by Fufi Hua. He's a mentat. He can see the truth pretty clearly compared with other things. Oh, I meant the quote. Like... I was like, what's this fucking supposed to be? I know, it. I just, it sounds to me like Paul's on that old fake news bullshit or some yeah. stuff like that, I, I think don't know. So. I think Leto definitely was on that fake news bullshit. I miss June voice, by the way. Uh-huh. Oh, I miss June voice. My father! My father once uh-huh. told me that respect for the truth comes close to being the basis for all morality! morality. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm agnostic on the June voice, oh. still. Okay. I still don't think it makes us very... You pioneered June I Voice. Pa- <laughs> the founder. 
the pioneer, the, 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 you know, animating force behind Dune Voice. Mm. Dune Voice is Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> it's actually Dune Voice's monster, not Dune Voice, so... I'm Dune Voice. Get it right. That's Dune Voice's monster. Uh, I'm Dune Voice's monster. What? I don't... You're Dune Voice, and Dune Voice is the monster that you created with your brain mind. With her brain mind? So... This is actually... <laughs> So actually, whenever I'm twinning at you guys to please bring back Dune Voice, what I should actually be saying is, could you please bring back Dune Voice's monster? Mm. Just to be correct. You're right. So, just to be correct. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind yeah. next time. I, I how 14, 14 episodes in, we have built a deep, deep trench of podcast <laughs> lore that nobody cares about. We did it. Nobody cares. Dr. Tim cares, I bet. Dr. Tim cares. Our one fan, Dr. Tim. We love it. Dr. Tim, we love you. Um, Come on the podcast. Dr. Tim, we love you. I love you, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Dr. Tim. We I love, love you. Anytime you make me happy, happy and give us peace. Konnichiwa. Kino munin. From Mr. Ando of the Woods. Yes. Go look it up, people. It's very, very, very nice. <laughs> Hey, what's the chapter summary? Okay, this chapter is pretty good. Um, it's about Fu Fu Hawat, who is a dumb bitch. Um, Smart dumb bitch. Yeah, but he's also a mentat, which means that he apparently knows everything apart from he doesn't. And he is stranded with a bunch of his best fighting men who have all been killed, apart from twelve of them. And they are about to ask some Fremen for help. And some of them are very gravely injured. But one of them, unfortunately, dies. So, what? while talking to the Fremen, is like trying to figure out um, how he can get their help and how they can fight the Harkonnens together. And there seems to be some kind of cultural disconnect between them while they're trying to work out like who's helping who and how and why and like what can he say to actually get them to help. And the Fremen seems to be talking about something that he doesn't completely like understand about like water and water price and debts and water matters. And then um, he says something about his allegiance to the Lizan Al Gayub, who is Paul. And the Fremen are like, "Oh, it's the fucking water matter. You should have said, of course we'll help." <laughs> when one of the troops, one of Thufir's troops, dies, the Fremen say, "Like, oh, um, should we do our burial thing?" Um, which is uh, rendering... They evaporate him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they evaporate him and use his water for the tribe. Um, and many of the men um, that Thufa is with get very upset about that because their customs are different and they don't understand that it's respectful and they find it kind of barbaric and strange and they're very upset by it. Um, but eventually, like, Thufa and the Fremen kind of explain that it's it's respectful, it's normal, it's what the Fremen do. Um, and they sort of they say yes to it, and then because they share the water of their own group, um, their their tribes are linked, and therefore they are allied. In this chapter, we find out how strong the Fremen are because of how skillfully they can fight the the emperor's special imperial force, the Sidekar, and they they haven't lost many of their people. Um, Sifa is pretty fucking gobsmacked. Um, there's a bat. We'll talk about the bats. It's important. Um, this uh, is the number, the only cute thing that's happened in 355 pages of Dune. And even then, it involves human saliva. Mm, it's so, yeah. There's a bat. They fight some. They fight some Harkonnens and some Sardaukar. 
and then they fight some more Harkonnens in some Sarukar. We learn a little bit about Fremen fighting techniques. Um, and then there's a huge uh, battalion of Sarukar, and eventually the party gets subdued. And then we don't know what happens after that. Ooh, cliffhanger! Cliffhanger! Yeah. Is that everything? Yeah. Did I do a good job? I would say so. Great. Good yeah, job, Ray. Yeah. This is just. These chapters have just some juicy fucking cultural disconnect. Yeah, mm. I like to read it. I it's mean, tasty. I do. I do think that this is one of the most interesting chapters that we've had. Mm. Genuinely, yeah. sometimes I'm like reading this and I'm thinking, "Why did you put this in, Frank? What is the point of this, Frank?" But actually, all of this is pretty. It's really interesting. Interesting. I think when I was reading it, I was like, because I knew what was going to happen. When I started it, I was like dreading it a little bit because I knew the misunderstanding that was going to happen. But actually reading it, I was like, oh, this is super interesting. Actually, this is really good. This is good shit. I mean, and we get introduced to the, the, the cultural differences straight away because the guy who is sitting across from, from Fufi when he tells him that he's prided himself on seeing things the way they truly are literally does not give a shit. Yeah. He's like... <laughs> Okay, dude. I does not even respond. He's like, all right, motherfucker. Uh, You're gonna give us some fucking water or what? Um, can um, can you guys remind me who Sufir Hawat is? He is um, Paul's dad. Uh, he's Duke Leto's like head mentor, assassin. Okay. Guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he is, he, is he a mentat assassin or is he just a mentat? He's a mentat assassin. He's an assassin. Mentat assassin. The yeah. mentat assassin. So he's he multi-class. I see. Cool. 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 So he trained Paul to fight as well. Thufir? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Duncan and Thufir and Gurney all trained Paul to fight. Because mm. do you remember in the, one of the first chapters, Thufir comes into the room and Paul is, and he's like, Paul, you shouldn't fucking face your back to the door, you idiot. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mentat, master of assassins. Mm-hmm. Apologies. I'm right. You're right. <laughs> I just I remembered singing like uh, Men in Black pastiche for um, Peter Devries, yeah. R.I.P. The Mentat Assassin. Wicked yes. yeah. So um, uh, but he's not the Mentat Assassin. He's just a, a Mentat assassin. assassin. Yeah, because this guy is also one. Okay. And we don't like him because he's a dick to Jessica. I quite like Thufir. I don't fucking like him. He's so I nasty mean, to Jessica. He's so fucking up himself. He's he's will- He's very willing to dis- cast aspersions on Jessica mm. and her, you know, the, the, the rectitude of her actions and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, he loves to suspect Jessica of doing bad stuff. He does. Um, but I mean, for what it's worth, I in this chapter, like, I, he just comes off as an ass. Like, yeah, he's a I'm like a mentat. I I'm the best. I know how to do things. And I'm incredibly Fremen smart guy, and clever. And then this Fremen guy is just there, like, okay, cool. You're really not, mate. Uh, like, he just comes off an ass in this chapter. This chapter really does show us that the Fremen are like so great. I love the Fremen. I mean, I actually, I feel kind of uh, a an affection Mm. for Thufir, even though he's bumbling and being an idiot and showing like literally no cultural competencies Mm -hmm. in in terms of understanding what the Fremen are and what they do. Mm -hmm. 
But um, I quite like a. Uh, he sort of reminds me of um, Thomas Cromwell. Mm-hmm. Like he's the king's right hand man. He's very good at his job mm-hmm. for the king in this specific instance. Mm-hmm. And when he's out of his depth, he kind of went a little bit funny because he was—he sort of doesn't quite know how to ask for what he wants, mm. or how. So, so he kind of gets blustery and sort of uh, pompous. Yeah, um, that makes sense because he's untethered from from his, his context. View. Yeah. And he's forced, he's forced into a different context that he hasn't bothered to learn anything about. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, maybe, maybe my willingness to kind of forgive and be nice to, um, all white dudes is. I think uh, after that fucking armchair scene where Jessica eviscerates him, I don't like him anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, he is very, I think maybe for like, Maybe he's like a relatable, relatable character for a Western reader, maybe or some shit. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Definitely I just you know personally, character. I have very little patience for people who refuse to like open their minds to different cultures. Yeah, same. Because it's like it's a good like four or five pages of just him and this Fremen guy like not yeah getting each other. Um, I think that's an interesting thing to happen. But also... Yeah, like, I like I like to read it, but I, I'm reading it and I'm very much like, ugh, this guy's an ass. Yeah, not just. I know. mean, I actually I feel quite um, sympathetic to him in a way. Mm. I, the reason, actually, I was thinking about this um, when I was reading it, which is on the train after work, which mm. gives you some ex- idea of mm. where my mind was. Um, in that I, because because I work for the Church of England, you cannot talk to them expecting them like uh to to priests expecting them to react in the way that you would to like a person in, who is fully in the secular world mm-hmm. like with their whole their front their focus on water and water custom mm-hmm. it's a bit like the the extremely religious people i come into contact with and their focus on god wow in that that's super interesting thank you and huh. in that in i mean i was thinking about um like uh, one of the big problems that we run up against is about uh, sexuality and making sure that people aren't r- raving homophobes. Mm. Um, but th- it's difficult to, to convince people who, because you can't do it with with, with, a, with a normal homophobe, you can be like, oh, well, you know, you know this person who's nice and they're gay and so actually it's not bad and it's good. And they'll be like, oh, well, yes, because that person, because usually most people can. Mm-hmm. It, when once exposed to this particular kind of social difference, okay. crack open their so mind enough to be like, "Oh yeah, okay, I can see how that might yeah. be the case." But the priests are like, "But, but God hates but it." But God hates it, and it says so in the book. And my book club that's been going on for two thousand <laughs> years sort of doesn't really like it. You can't argue with their particular cultural standpoint because. Mm. Well, you you can you you have to. I have to mm. argue with it because because I have to because it's yeah. a moral imperative. Mm. But um, you can't do it effectively in the same way because you're not approaching it from the same angle. Mm. And like there are there are lots of people in the church who are able to talk about sexuality from a religious standpoint that it actually you know would be a compelling argument for those priests and lay people who are dead set against gayness mm. but would be willing to think about it but you would have to start 
with those words and the specific words and specific references to specific yeah. things in the specific books. Yeah. And I think it's very like, telling how Fufir doesn't Fufir really can't try work his get... mind around to approach things from water from, from a water perspective. Yeah. Because he hasn't lived on that world. Exactly. So, yeah. Can I cuz I find the little sentence that I was looking for which oh, is yeah. um Hawat fell silent staring at the man. He could see as a mentat that their communication was out of phase. Word sounds were not being linked up here in the normal manner. The word I, I sounds from his mouth face. Link up to my mouth face. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is like just it's like a weird Frank sentence, but it actually it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, in this context. For sure. Because yeah. the words that they're using aren't being used in the way you would expect those words yeah. to be used, or in the way that they expect each other to use those words. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they're sa- they're saying something they think the other person should understand, yeah. and they think they kind of understand it, except they know that w- the feedback loop is kind of like yeah, not happening. I also think that this chapter is written in such a way that it's like it's written from a very white guy perspective. Yeah, of like yeah, people from n- the native people of a foreign country or place won't try to won't understand that you don't understand their stuff and will be aggressive to you when you do not understand it comes from a perspective of like fear of that i'm going to be attacked and attack because i can't understand these i'm going to be attacked expectations i just don't know what will offend them oh, oh, i'm so scared the liberals, <laughs> the liberals. <laughs> <laughs> it is worth noting on like the page after that that Hawaii eventually does does say will you show me your way the Arakeen way yeah um, I, yeah, um, which is good Hawaii so, sort like, of learns this lesson in real time yeah like and ah the, I must I must be humble and open my experience and to then other the Fremen fucking laughs at him <laughs> yeah he's like bitch we watched you come across the sand last night you suck you keep your force in the slit face of the dunes then he just says bad <laughs> yes you're going to attract the worm you keep walking What's with rhythm. rhythm? <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that I, I I find kind of challenging about this chapter is that the Fremen man is written to be like so cool. Yeah. Under in this situation, he's like so he has all the answers. Mm. He's incredibly literally he's try. Uh, there's something about like the the noble. I don't want to be like the noble the savage, but the, but that's kind of what I, I I'm meaning. In I'm, that, I think this is happening here. Yeah, like I think the Fremen are incredibly cool, but also incredibly dog whistling. Yeah, yeah. It's like um ah yes, these people they do not know the things that we know, but they're very good but at their specific so thing in their own way, exactly. their savage way. Ex- yeah, yeah. And I don't I don't know. And he's like, because you know how some. There can be some incredibly racist writing about, I think, especially, well, not especially, but in my experience, what I've read about, like, um, white people writing about Africa. Mm. They're like, ah, yes, this man, he did not understand me. He did not know my culture. He simply tried to help me and tried to understand what it was that I wanted. And I was so grateful for that. Ah, yes, I'm a woke person. I killed everybody he knew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> But like, it's it's it that gives me it, it makes my skin crawl in that specific way. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm trying. So it's like a yucky chapter, but at the same time, and also I like love he he answers in kind of like these nomic circular terms. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, you haven't told me yet whether your people can help my wounded. 
And then he replies, they are wounded. And then Thufir thinks in italics, the same damned answer every time. We know they're wounded, Howard snapped. That's not the... And then the feminine man goes, peace, friend. What do your wounded say? Are those among them who can see the water need of your tribe? And so he kind of is like, well, yeah, the the wounded people in your tribe should be able to work out whether or not they're worth yeah. they're worth saving because that's what the fremen have always had to do to yeah. survive, and like that's very normal to them, um, which is like really sad because they've been like an oppressed people literally forever. Um, but also, but it's like yeah. I I answer only an aphorism, yes. and I say only the thing that means that. You don't understand. You do Yes, no, no, no. I do not speak plainly because Frank Herbert will not let me. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Only like, in the idiom know. of my people. <laughs> so, like, I guess shout out to Frank, who's done. He's done like the bare minimum of like, you know, writing Hawat as the fool in this scenario mm-hmm. and the it's quote like, unquote. It's racist, you know, but it's in a complicated way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Frank's done like the bare minimum and like no more. Yeah, for sure. I really, it's like it's like a a a a, a, a scab I want to pick. I'm so interested <laughs> yeah. in. I just want all the good racism blood to come out. <laughs> but I got to pick the scab of respectability mm. first. For sure. Um, for sure, for sure. This is the non-upsetting thing to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I, I really, I really liked it, and actually, I didn't find the the squabbling quite so um, difficult. Yeah, it was interesting. It was really interesting to read. Yeah. Um, I've just, I've just turned to the page where the bat is. The bat. May I read this segment? Yes. He reached beneath his robes, brought out a small cage, lifted a creature from it. Howat recognized a tiny bat. <laughs> The bat turned its head, and Hawat saw its blue within blue eyes. Should I use Jim's voice for this? Yes. The Fremen stroked the bat, soothing it, crooning to it. He bent over the animal's head, allowed a drop of saliva to fall from his tongue into the bat's upturned mouth. <laughs> he bent over the animal's head, allowed a drop of saliva to fall from his tongue into the bat's upturned mouth. The bat stretched its ring wings, but it remained upon the Fremen's open hand. The man took a tiny tube, held it beside the bat's head, and chatted into the tube, racist. Then, lifting the creature high, he threw it upward. So, please don't spit in your own bat's mouth. <laughs> is, this a, is this a spice thing? No, it's because he's giving him a bit of water, but he doesn't want to give him water water. Oh, he wants to give him spit water. Sp- he wants to give him spit water. <laughs> You ever want to give I your, mean, fellas, you ever want to give your bat spit water? <laughs> fellas, is it okay to give your bat your spit water? Um, why do you sp- don't spit in your bat's mouth? Oh. So what was he doing? Where did the bat go? It went somewhere. To give somebody a message. Don't know who, though. Don't it doesn't who. really say in this chapter. Some other Fremen, probably. Some, yeah. yeah. It just goes away. It just goes away. He's like... And then he's like, ah, I love my little friend, the bat. He's a good messenger. <laughs> I loved, I loved this. I loved it too. I thought it, I loved it so much. It was fucking great. Uh, I, uh, wait a second. Wait a fucking second. Yes. He says, I love my bat. He's a good messenger. And then he says, I'll be unhappy to lose that. I'll one. be sad if he Does fucking dies. Does that mean dies. the bat's not coming back? 
the I think the bat comes back a little bit later. Um, oh, I think it's I I would be happy rather than I will be unhappy to lose okay. it because I've just thrown it up in the air and it's disappeared like with a twinkle, mm. like in Pokemon. <laughs> you know, Team when... Rocket's bursting off again. Yeah. yeah. Zubat, I choose you. Sarah, I thought you were a fellow Pokemon, not Noah, and I was betrayed by your question the last time we recorded. Oh no, I also don't know shit about Pokemon, but I am slowly being trained by uh, the rest of my podcast in which Pokemon is which. I am being induc- in- inducted. Inducted into the Pokemon ways. I can name at least five Pokemon. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's so many of them. Wow. I know. But I mean, it's sort of... Again, smashing together all these Orientalist tropes about mm. this mysterious desert people who take out a tiny cage with a little animal inside and mm. do something questionably hygienic to it. Mm. Um, There's also a part where all the Fremen plunge into a cartoon dust cloud. And then, like, there are feet and legs and, like, weapons and stuff <laughs> that poke out of it, and it's all, like, roly roly poly poly weapons, and then it's, like, dead dudes, and then all of the desert guys come out and they're all okay. Abruptly, the sand around the two groups sprouted Fremen. They were at the Ornithopter, then in it. When the two groups had met at the dune crest, a dust cloud partly obscured violent motion. Presently, the dust settled. Only Fremen remained standing. <laughs> I just, I really find it interesting how Frank wants to objectify, animalify, and generally make seem other. Mm. Even by making them part of their uh, physical landscape, yeah, a physical sure. physical environment, yeah. that they're almost one they with the dust. from the ground, yeah. Ugh! It's racist. Frank? Frank! Hulk. I think the bit the bit with the dust is like in the anime when it just suddenly changes animation styles. Um, <laughs> so I guess that just means June's supposed to be. Because it, it it can sort of seesaw from being highly dignified yeah. to highly like to sort of cartoonish and very classic. foolish. Yeah, you know, you see lots of sound effects that say "biff" and "boff" above them. There's no sort of yeah. There's no humanity. There's no moderation. Like mm. Jessica as a character, and later were treated with such sort of human equanimity and yeah. equilibriousness. I think it's very interesting how Frank talks about people being human and not human and then proceeds to treat certain characters as human Much and more certain human characters than as others. not human, but in a way that isn't critical of the, the way that he's doing it. Mm. I'm like, surely you can see. <laughs> surely you can see what you're doing. For me in this chapter, it really struck me just like how chill the Fremen were. Yeah. Like, in general, they're like... So, yeah, you, you're going to die to give us your water? Sure. Yeah. Cool. Like, cool, out cool. of yeah, all of cool. the people in June, I would think I probably most enjoy hanging out with the friends. Yeah, they're very chill about death. Yeah. Chill about death. Chill about and death. Just spit into their little bat's mouths. God. So chill. Like, so in chill. a chill way. In a chill way. <laughs> they are definitely chill, the dude. coolest faction in June. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and they talk about, uh, they talk to, because they're talking, they talk about, yeah, they talk about Sardaukar. And Hawat is like, oh yeah, these like elite fighters, and the Fremen are just like, oh the Sardaukar, oh we killed like a hundred of them, no biggie, it's chill, that's <laughs> chill, it's, it's fine, which is it's okay, dude. But in like actually in lieu of concerning their like fighting skills, I just wanted to mention because I may have only read June twice, but I have read the Wheel of Time series, which is a fantasy series by. Yes. 
another white guy, uh, but this time from the nineties. Um, and basically, he it's pretty in June. Like he took a lot of June stuff and oh. put it into that book. Huh. Um, which I thought while I was here would be neat to mention. Yeah. Um, and I, cause yeah, so he has this like race of like desert warrior people who are like the best fighters in the world and like they live in the desert so they're hardcore and they can like, three of them can kill a hundred men with no sweat. And yeah, it looks like someone fucking read Dune. Someone huh? fucking read um, Dune, huh? Um, you know, and just in this chapter, because I think, you know, the last two times I'd read Dune, I didn't notice that they were, like, these amazing warrior fighters that were, like, so much better than everyone else because of reasons. They've just been, they've just been oppressed so much that they become amazing. Their psychic muscles and their body muscles will become, all developed. That's will how get developed. Works, did you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you see, you know, you want to know how to make people better? Just oppress them more. Just oppress them. Chill. But yeah, the just the thing that struck me when reading these chapters, I was like, holy shit, did Robert Jordan rip off these guys for the Aiel in The Wheel of Time? Fucking um, so did. I don't know if he made them better or worse. He did make them white explicitly, and oh. I'm like, okay. okay. It's a bit of a par move to put the only canonically white race in your book series in the desert. Like, I guess. Think of the burns. Yeah. I know. Damn. I know. It hurts me. Like, I'm white and ginger as fuck, and I am. I feel hurt in my body. Do they sweat cream? I don't know. They have special genetic modifications. (laughs) I worry about it a lot. I mean, what was going to happen to Paul in the desert? I know. Blisters? Freckles? Imagine. Not freckles! Not freckles. Not freckles. It would blemish his perfect, pristine skin. Yes. His dukely skin. His dukely skin. Um, I I mean I bet that that Paul burns and doesn't tan. That's he's that kind of white, you know. Speaking mm. of books that aren't Dune, but rip off have Dune. they didn't it didn't rip off Dune, but it was similar to Dune. I read The Left Hand of Darkness while I was in Ireland. It was really good. I'm like absolutely staring at that mm. on my shelf. I need to read that. It's weird about gender. It's very weird about gender. It's also very good, but I found it kind of amusing how it was set on an ice planet. I was gonna do a, a bit where I was like, mm, winter, the winter planet, but I, I guess it, uh, uh, no, never mind. That's what bit it's canceled. called, I guess. Redacted. Redacted. Bit redacted. I mean, you know how, Ursula Le Guin, I'm gonna get this so wrong, I can't find it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how Ursula Le Guin had kind of these two theories, these theories about the two types of, um, writing history and future history from the perspective of those, she's like, splits it into sword history and, um, needle and thread history or possibly vessel history. I love her. Like, which, out of the, the, the two, received knowledge is that the earliest invention was the, the knife. Mm. The thing that's used for killing things and mm. cutting things and blah blah blah, mm. and she argues that I I can't. This really um makes this not good. Yeah. That I can't remember. Sounds pretty cool though. When you, but you, it, to, to it. talk about you know the the sword history or the knife history being the one that's very linear and about things winning over other things. And patriarchal. Patriarchal, yeah. masculine, capitalist. Yeah. Races, uh, you know, all the bad things we don't like. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and vessel, vessel writing or being about gathering in different things and presenting them with a kind of critical eye, a selective. Yeah. The left hand darkness, definitely vessel. Dune, definitely <laughs> sword. sword. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know, that's the main difference. And I found the left hand of darkness so subtle. The carrier bag theory of fiction. Oh. Oh yeah, I have actually heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like really famous. I just really, really botched talking about it. Fifir Hawat still thinks that Jessica is um yeah. responsible God, for the so death annoying. of the Duke. Really annoying, but it is all the information that he has available. Yeah. And he's like, damn it, I'm going to kill that woman. So yeah. that's great. Um I hope that doesn't come back to bite us in the arse mm, later. Definitely won't. Um, oh, we didn't we did we mentioned you mentioned earlier, Sarah about how um, the Fremen man and their bodily adaptions to the desert. I'm just going to read a tiny bit, and then I guess oh, we yeah. can go and do we can do worms. Mm-hmm. Fremen across from Hawat. By the way, Fremen man does not get a name. No. Dang. Which, that's pretty... Um, yeah, bad. Telling. Telling. Yep. Uh, the Fremen across from Hawat threw back his hood and still... Se- like, it would be like referring to the Arab. Yeah. That's, ba- is, that's <laughs> pretty fucking bad, not, huh? Not cool. <laughs> the Fremen across from Hawat threw back his hood and still suit capped reveals sandy hair and beard. He is blonde. He's blonde. He appears to be blonde. Maybe they just have Oh, maybe he's got sand in. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was thinking. Okay. The hair was combed back straight back from a high, thin forehead. He had the unreadable total blue eyes of the spice diet. The spice diet. Um, to get that that covetable uh, all blue eyes and beard of spice, beard and moustache was stained at one side of the mouth. His hair matted there by pr- the pressure of the looping catch tube from his nose plugs. The man removed his plugs, readjusted them. He rubbed a scar beside his nose. So, I mean, I suppose the bodily effects of wearing the the equipment like pretty severe. Mm. Actually, sounds horrible. It's very uncomfortable. And also, I mean, uh, I think. Back in the Dr. Kynes chapter a few chapters ago, mm. they talk about Paul's water fatness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Too much soup. There's a lot of emphasis on things being thin mm. and hollow and sunken and stuff. I do worry about the association of thinness with like nobility and like mm. hardiness and capability or athleticism. Yes, and that there's 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 nothing um superfluous. Yeah. Uncomfortable with that. We love finding yeah. things that to to not like about Jin. <laughs> I mean, and it's fucking bullshit, because historically speaking, you know, noble people have been fat wee shites, so... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to... to I, I love fat wee shites. It's, it's good. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, Thank for this you, Sarah. phrase. Like, you know, we, we, you, you Google pictures of king whatever and he's fat wee shite. But I guess I guess by noble I mean, like, not noble in status, but noble in character. Okay, not as in family, as yeah, in, like, as oh, in like, you're good, therefore your skull is skinny. You're good because Ha-ha. you're thin. <laughs> yes, and the most evil man in the whole galaxy. He's, could you could you guess? He's fat. Could you guess? He's so fat he has to float around. He has to float around like a little goose. Like a round balloon. <laughs> Um, that was it. That was it, really. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of interesting action and thopters yeah. and there's yelling, fighting, fighting. It's but it's not very interesting to talk about. So yeah, yeah. It would, it would, it'll be cool whenever the anime comes out and you can watch it there. I can't yeah. wait for the anime to come In, out. The Dune anime. Dune anime when? The Dune Dune's Bizarre Adventure. Dune, 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 Dune
This um, is beautiful. Do you have a word of the week? They call me Dr. Worm. He's got worm. I don't have one. I also forgot to think of one, but I was reminded abruptly of a worm of the week uh, that I had thought of like three months ago. And now I'm really, and now I'm really paranoid that uh, you guys did it last week, and I just don't know about it because uh, I haven't listened to last. I'd love to know what it is. Well, it's the diet of worms. Ah! ah. Did we do that? One I think time? we've mentioned the diet of worms. We mentioned it. I don't know if we did it. So, you can have the diet it. Of worms. It's yours. I'm on the Wikipedia. For, and I'm going to call it the diet of worms because that makes me happy <laughs> and that's what I want to call it and that's how it's spelt and do I see any like IPA things over around here on the Wikipedia page telling me how to pronounce it? No, therefore we can assume that I don't know. Exactly. Uh, so the diet Perfect. of worms was uh, a big call out post for Martin <laughs> it, Luther. It was! You're right! <laughs> All the uh, the the Holy Roman Empire people got together in the city of Worms, which was, I think, somewhere in Germany, possibly, and they drafted a big Tumblr call-out post about how Martin Luther did was bad and stuff. And they published the call-out post under the thing called the Edict of Worms, and that's all I know. I studied this for like more than a year, <laughs> but I don't we, remember anything about it. We were intimately it. familiar with Martin Luther. We were Martin Luther and his ninety-five theses. Wait a second. Yeah. If Luther wrote the original callout post, is the Edict of Worms a counter callout? It's a counter callout post. This is the because okay. the ninety-five okay. theses is a callout post for the church for the Catholic it's a, Church. It's, it's a long dramatic thread. Mm. Highly divisive okay. in the Tumblr community yeah. of the 1600s. <laughs> I, I feel okay. Well, I feel like the the Martin Luther 95 thesis is like was like a Twitter thread, like yeah. one of out of 95. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then the and he pinned it to his Tumblr. timeline. Buzzfeed quid. Which of Martin Luther's 95 theses are you? We'll determine this by you telling us your favorite ice cream type. <laughs> For a second, I was like, "Is that real? Let's do it." <laughs> Just so convincing, Sarah. <laughs> what if, which one of the ninety-five pieces would you be? I don't know what they are. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. Um, the penalty of sin remains as long as the hatred of the self. That is true in a repentance, namely till our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That's a good thesis about hating yourself. Yeah, let me find one that I am. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, tag yourself. Okay, I'm... Those priests act ignorantly and wickedly who, in the case of the dying, reserve canonical penalties for purgatory. I'm that one. Yeah, there, there's a lot of these. Uh, there's 95 of them, actually. Wow. There sure are. That's a lot. Although, I just did read the word papal as paypal, and yeah. I was like, if Paul was the Pope, buying indulgences would be paypal. So... It, w- uh. it would be paypal. You're right. Uh, Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. I don't Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Nail uh, your feeties to the door. Let's oh start God. a reformation. Papal bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, 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 GCSE revision song. <laughs> 
three Grammys. Iconic. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Best album of the them. year. Thank you. I'm number 50. Christians are to be taught that if the Pope knew the exactions of the indulgence preachers, he would rather that the Basilica of St. Peter were burned to ashes than built up with the skin, flesh, and bones of his sheep. Mm-hmm. I've just realised that sheep refers to, like, people yeah. and yeah. not actual like sheep, ba- sheep. Ba- ba- sheep. Ba- ba- and sheep. I'm disappointed and I want to choose another one but I'm not going to. Jersey's worm of the week. Just, okay, worm, well I've I've actually in a in a in order to make up for past poor performance mm-hmm. um I've actually got two two worms of the week this week. One of them is a um uh just a passing worm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was reading uh, at work because uh, I didn't want to do my work. Right. The food magazine Saveur. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I read a lot of food magazines online. As any sophisticated twenty-two-year-old does, obviously. And uh, I found a, a, an article about Oaxacan worm salt, and I was like, "Oh, okay, great." Uh, but it turns out that there's a um, a kind of salt. That um, is made of ground up worms. Oh, because um, you know how in mezcal, like the um, uh, the alcoholic drink. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a wee worm. There's a wee worm, a wee worm. at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but they're also consumed in other different ways. The gusano. Um, it is. Uh, it's actually a moth larva. Prized as a source of protein since pre-Hispanic times, the larvae live in the agave plants used to make tequila and mezcal, fattened on sweet agave nectar. They might be sautéed and folded into warm tortillas, or toasted and ground up with rock salt and dried chili peppers for sal de gusano, worm salt. So you can put a little bit of dried up worm worm on your food. Put a bit of worm on your food. Make it tasty. I'm sure it's like pretty good. Yeah. I don't think I could quite get my head around it, mm. but um, sounds legit. Yeah, proteinous. And I prote proteinaceous. Proteinaceous. Mm, uh, so I was just um fascinated and um uh. Sounds good. Great. It sounds sounds good. It sounds I, good. I would I would eat it. Uh, and the actual real worm of the week that I wanted to um like a whole worm, not ground up worm, mm. is the uh, the velvet worm. Uh, so cute. The strangest worm on the planet, according to wettropics.gov.au slash the the hyphen velvet hyphen worm webpage that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. Question: When is a worm not a worm? When it's a peripatus. Cool. And these 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 little guys, they're so cute. They're Usually so called cute. the velvet worm because of its soft texture. Oh. The velvet worm is not really a worm. A very attractive little creature. It is possibly one of the strangest animals around. Oh, look they're, at this little guy! They're they're, oh. They have 14 or more pairs of little stumpy, unjointed legs. They oh, live strictly in this. moist environments and are found under rotting logs, leaf or litter, leaf litter or soil. I think if I saw one in real life, I would be very upset. But yes. in on the podcast, I love this little guy. Also, they're very big. They're between 4 and 10 centimetres ah! I was expecting them to be microscopic, but they are large boys. I think, although they are very, very cute, I think actually I do not like that. Yeah, maybe I also don't like it. Hmm. But look at this little guy, he's waving. He's waving. He's waving. Is the and thing. if you look on Twitter, there are lots of cute um, pictures of uh, uh, the Velvet Worm. Oh, we like that. I want to sing the Janet Jackson song, oh. The Velvet Rope, but replace it with the words Velvet Worm, but I don't know if I know 
Janet Jackson song well enough. Oh. Also, listen to this. Um, even though the various species of peripets look alike on the outside, they have some very different ways of reproducing. Some lay shelled eggs while others produce live young, which have been nourished by an attachment similar to a placenta. Mm. Such advanced reproduction is most unusual for an animal whose first appearance in the evolution of animals was at the very beginning of the timeline. Mm. The transfer of the male sperm is also rather strange. Some species have a small pit on their heads, and the male will transfer sperm to this pit, which then makes contact with the female's genitalia. There's an African species which simply leaves a packet of sperm on the body of the female. The packet dissolves and the sperm are absorbed through the skin. Once it's... inside the body, they swim to the ovary while fertilisation takes place. That is more than what I wanted to know about you, Velvet Worm, but now I know it. Everyone else does too. I don't like to hear it. Nope. You don't like to hear it. I was expecting them to be, you know, tiny, but they're actually large. They're long and big. They're long and big which and they're large. makes me like them less. Yes. But they are cute. I am fascinated by them. They look a bit like kind slugs. Of they look like sea slugs, kind of. They've got fat little chunky bodies. Although apparently they're dangerous and deadly, given that the three videos at the top of this search list say the slimy deadly velvet worm and world's deadliest bizarre slime cannon attack. Oh! <laughs> sounds like a fucking Yu-Gi-Oh card. So, I mean, they, they start off cute, but the more you think about them and look at them the and realise how they, they reproduce, that's a good the worse and most bad they are. That's like me. Yes. <laughs> I start cute, but the longer you look at me... become gross <laughs> and bad. So, um, the caption for this uh, National Geographic video, World's Deadliest Bizarre Slime Cannon Attack, say a velvet worm may be nearly blind, but it's got a weapon. It can slime its prey from nearly a foot away and paralyze it. The worm can shoot two sticky ropes up to a foot long that incapacitate uh. unwary bugs, making them easy prey. Uh. Don't like to hear the word sticky ropes. Nope. No. Here we are. Do not like that. Should Sounds like some that. bad erotica writing. Yeah. Worm. Mm. Worm. Uh, so not only are they're, they're deadly in many ways. Uh, I have been incapacitated by this. Don't like it anymore. Okay, let's close this fucking. Let's down. never talk this. Let's talk about, let's these, talk about these, these boys again. again. <laughs> Let us never speak of this again. I was reading the the, the good food magazine Bon Appetit. Ah, we love it. We love it, Claire forever, obviously. Mm-hmm. Bon Appetit, Claire. She's the best. Bon Appetit, Brad. But it's not about either of those those people. Mm-hmm. Um, there is. Uh, they were talking about trash fish. I quote: "Trash fish, fish that no one wants and no one catches by on purpose." But when people do catch them, they cook them up and they turn them into good restaurant dishes. Sorry, um, Sarah's posted some excellent SFW Sasuke's in our chat so that we don't have to look at them anymore. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, I, Sarah. I, I didn't want to look at the worms, so I posted <laughs> pictures of Sasuke. <laughs> Is it safe for work? He's got so many knives. <laughs> He's making it safe for us to look at this Discord channel and not see the worms. He has to fight the them away with the knives. The knives are for power. And for keeping us safe. Thank you, Sasuke. Thank you, Sasuke. Thank you, Sasuke. Well, uh, no, uh, so the worm, which is not a worm either, at all, either, mm-hmm. uh, really, uh, but uh, I, I saw the illustration and I was like, this is, I have to mention it to Ray. They're extremely good. Because it's wonderful. It's really good. Uh, they, they had illustrations by a person called David Biscop um, of all of the, uh, the quote-unquote trash fish that make them look like cool dudes to hang out with. They do. Um, and the, the illustration for the wolf eel 
which um, oh, put I it might, in the chat. Uh, how do I put it in the chat? Uh, he just looks like such a cool guy. Just looks like oh my such god, a cool guy. such a cool guy. What a cool, what a cool guy. guy. What and cool also, guy. the real wolf eel looks like a cool guy. Also, additionally as well. Great. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. <gasps> oh hell yeah! Oh Ooh, hell baby, yeah. baby. Looks like a, a cool this guy. looks like this looks like a character from the Oingo Boingo Brothers adventure. Oh my goodness. Manga. My worm of the week is the Oingo Boingo Brothers ending theme song. <laughs> it's your earworm of the week, no? Yes! Yes! Absolutely! <laughs> Have you heard it before? No. I will send it to you. Can we drop it into podcast? Is that legal? I also put in the butter clam into the chat because he's also a, a chill chill little boy. Thank you, we love it. Cool little, hey. little guy. It's a butter clam. He is butter clam. Tracy, because I, because you haven't seen Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, it might not make any sense to you whatsoever. That's fine. I can live with that. But we're going to play it out loud right now. I've I've seen... I've listened to about 19 episodes of Yari Yari Boys. Yeah, that's enough of them. Uh, great. Okay. That's enough of them. Anyway, that's my one of the week. Okay. Thank you, Ray. It's either that or the mix of um, uh, All Star where they repeat and they don't stop coming. <laughs> A million times. <laughs> I think you could you could play us out with that. You could just fade it out into nothingness. There's a podcast that I listen to where they watch Shrek every like twice a month, <laughs> forever, um, and that's their entrance. So it's just, and then it's stop coming, and then it's stop coming. That's amazing. Shrek is the only movie. It's the only one that exists. Every other movie isn't it's the real. Only one that exists. So I still haven't seen David Lynch's Dune because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't believe it. Um, so dumb ones of the week. Um, but guess what? What? We have email. <gasps> From our good and loyal friend, Dr. Tim. Dr. Tim? They call him Dr. Tim. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Tim. Dr. Tim says, Dear admin and faculty, please complete the survey at your earliest convenience. <gasps> However, you should be aware that the attached Dune quiz is an important part of our continued accreditation from the Galactic Board on X. Sincerest regards, Dr. Tim H. Harkonnen. Conan. Yeah, they just sounds well Conan. So who wants to do the fucking Dune quiz? Yay! <laughs> I'm going to ask you the questions and we can say whether it's true or not and then I can click on the questions to go to the answers. So wow. I think that's what I'll do. The quiz is titled Dune Sequels or Dune Fan Fiction? Ooh. A quiz by Dr. Tim. And then he does the cute smiley face with a D for a mouth. Hey. We love it. Preamble. Fan fiction is incredibly important and serves an, as an expressive medium for many people. I hope I have constructed this fun little quiz in such a way that doesn't shame or demean fanfiction. If anything, it's more of a dunk on Frank. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Tim. Question one. Princess Irulan. Dunk on him. Princess Irulan becomes Empress. True or false? Mm, I don't know enough about Princess Irulan to tell you. Guess. True? 
Sarah? You cut out, so I don't know what you said, but I'm going to say true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, open with Google Docs so that I can actually use it. Someone in my dance class once said that I was like the girl from Ipanema. I was like, what does that, what does mean? that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> oh, oh, it's not true or false. It's whether we whether we guess it takes place in the books or in fanfic. Oh. Sorry, I misinterpreted. Okay. But yes. So in the books or in fanfic? Books. Books. Okay. Uh, oh. The answer to question one is fanfic. Ah, yeah. Uh, Tim also says, P.S. Apparently Dune takes place in uh, 21,171 years in the future, four question marks. Of course. I, I guess so. Two. Sounds about right. A rival faction of Bene Gesserit Breakoff. Instead of reverend mothers, they have honoured martyrs. Uh, book or fan fiction? Fanfic. 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 Okay, fanfic. <laughs> The answer to question two is Franklin Patrick Herbert Jr. Oh no! Which I guess means that Frank wrote it. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Frank! Question three. Jews are still around. Secret space Jews. They learned... Oh dear. They learned to hide and blend in real well because of the Holocaust. Book or fan fiction? Fan fiction? I think book. I wouldn't put it past book. Mm. I wouldn't put it past book. That's the Frankie Herb specials, <laughs> says Doctor Tim. Okay, great. I'm, I'm glad to know that that there are still <laughs> Jews. Yes, but also Ellen and I read an article about the Dune, the Jews in Dune, and they're badly done. It's very anti-Semitic. Uh, um, a screed against liberals. Does it happen in Dune or in Perfect? A what Probably. against liberals? A screed against liberals. I reckon book. Gotta be fanfic, right? I think book. Frank oh. Herbert. I've included the full quote below because it's just so much. Huh? It was partly that word. Liberal, she realised. Atreides' ancestors rose up in rebellion at the word. It was <gasps> as though her accumulated female memories lashed out at the unconscious assumptions and unexamined prejudices behind the concept. <laughs> only liberals really think and this is in quotation marks only liberals are intellectual only liberals understand the needs of their fellows Frank Herbert proud conservative question mark question mark mm-hmm. Frank owns the libs I guess Frank <laughs> Francis Herbert owns the libs question five Paul oh dear Paul's son later the second Marries his twin sister, Ganema. Dune or fanfic? Book. I'm gonna hope and say fanfic. Book. Okay. Frank Herbert. Book. Although, in his defence, he does say it's just for show. I don't know how good of an offense, defence that is. Don't think it's very good. And her children are from another person. Uh, oh, well, as long as that, it's all... It's clearly all fine, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Number six. A new major house appears. House Ordos who are a plutocratic mercantile society who secretly make illegal cyborgs. I didn't understand all of those words. I think fanfiction. I think it would be a sick fanfic. There's definitely illegal cyborgs in in, in Dune books that come come to come. Ah, this is from the Dune video game. Uh, Oh, yeah. Okay. The Dune video game? Yeah, apparently. But House Ordos has fanfiction. Ooh. 
list of games based on June wikipedia.org please tell me more carry on sorry tell me more tell me more Uh, the Bene Gesserit develop the ability to literally enslave men because they get real good at sex I hope true I think this is book I want them to enslave men with their um, sexual prowess Mm -hmm. please what do you think Sarah uh, well, I think there was a collectible card game of Dune produced <laughs> in 1997. Um, so I'm just thinking about that. Okay. Uh, you continue to think about that. I think which that's was quite produced important. by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, God. Eventually. What? Um, carry on. I'll tell you more about it in a little bit. Thinking face emoji. Ah, it is true. It's a rogue splinter faction of the Bene Gesserit. You learn to fuck. Um, <laughs> he shot it. Um, and then Tim says, I read so much fanfic and very little of it was as weird as the stuff that Frank wrote. <laughs> I bet Frank has some weird sexual things mm, going on in his mind. Definitely for sure. Thank you, Tim, for doing this important work. Yes. Uh, for going where no other, no other member of faculty dared go. Number eight is There is a Sex Scene book. 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 I've heard of the fabled sex scene. Mm, The fabled sex scene of Dune. I'm hoping to fuck there's no sex scene because Frank Frank can't. He just can't. We don't trust him with anything else. If it's written by Frank, it doesn't count as a sex scene. The answer is both. (laughs) Naturally. Naturally. Question nine. Someone bred dogs into the shape of chairs. They are called chair dogs. (laughs) Fan fiction! (laughs) Fan fiction. Book. Ah! I, I don't know. Let me check. Chainsaws. Yeah, that's Mr. Franklin Herbert. Chainsaws. Frankie. Frankie. You didn't. There's an ancient sect of monks who freed themselves from temptation by taking their brains out and keeping them in jars. Please say book. I think book too. I wanted to read book. This is a trick question. I'm sorry, but it's actually his son, Brian Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson in the book The Butlerian Jihad. Uh, oh, Dr. Tim, you're how such a card. How did you play us like that, Played Dr. Tim? You played a Joker's trick on us, didn't you, Dr. Tim? To play it. That's just another Joker's trick. Joke trick. Tim's trick. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for your hard work. Oh, so many things I didn't want to know. Mm. Mostly about sex. Definitely, absolutely, for sure. This is a full cell podcast. <sighs> Sunday tagline of also. I support that. Thank you. Gotta keep our essences in, man. No sex allowed. Like in Doctor Strange Love. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, what a wonderful fun recording this was. I think so too. What a good time was had by all. Thank you for having me on and also for being smarter than me. You're no, the best Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, you're the best. How dare you? Sarah, you're the podcast. Dare you? Sarah, do you have anything to plug? Yes. Please plug your podcast. To plug to yes. plug I'm podcast your podcast uh, yeah so i uh given how excited i got about the concept of a june collectible card game it may not surprise you to know that i do a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast um i believe the 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 lads here did read out some good worm themed Yu-Gi-Oh cards last episode we did do that we um, did forget to plug your podcast though so today's I, the day i i yeah I, I look forward to hearing it when I listen back to that. But yes, the podcast is called Pod of Green. Um, you can go to kaiba.online. That's a website domain that I bought with my money. Wow. Um, to join our Discord and chat to us. 
and have a good time. Um, so yeah, uh, and you can also find me on Twitter um, at Sarah McCostumes. That's S A R A H M C C Costumes, yeah, and that's yeah. also my Instagram. I do costumes. Yeah, um, and you also have a podcast about uh clothing don't you oh shit yeah i i think it still might be up because i'm still paying for the hosting for it even though i haven't done any more episodes it's called unpick where i you know bring people on and talk about their wardrobes and what they like to wear and what that says about them as a person i need to do season two of that actually oh yeah and Um, you also have an etsy store do you not I do have an Etsy store called where I sell really big dice. It's called really big dice. Go to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash really big dice. Use the discount code KaibaCorp for 21% off. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. I can't think of anything else. You did it. Go to my website, sarahmcclintock.com, I guess. Ooh. Ooh. Website. I feel like a proper podcast website with someone having, having that many plugs. I know, right? Um, you can follow us on Twitter at University. If you'd like us to tell us um, that we smell nice, you can even... No, actually, that's disgusting. You smell nice, uh, university. Mm. If you would like to become our Volsol comrades, then you can email us <laughs> at university at gmail.com. <laughs> um, if you want to know how to become really good at sex, like the Benkisra, <laughs> email us. If, <laughs> if you have any sexual tips, email us. <laughs> <laughs> at and you can find me on Twitter at Frizzoid. You can't you find me on Twitter. No. Ha! Ghost. Sarah, what a, what a pleasure. Thank you what so much joy. for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Um, are you the spice or the worm? I think that I am the spice. Hey, nice. Spicy. I think I'm the worm because Sorry. I'm going to go and lie down. Yeah, I'm also a worm because I'm going to slime into bed. Hell yeah. Hell yes, hell yes. Hell yeah. Hey. Um, but yeah. In uh, this podcast, we go to bed before 11 p.m. Yes, we do. Um, uh, if you would like to be on the episode of University, write us. Write us an application. It has to be exactly 500 words long. Yes, and it has to contain some emojis, please. <laughs> please. That, that's what I did. Yeah. That's what I did. It was a very did. difficult. Sarah wrote us a beautiful personal statement. Are we done podcasting? I, I think we've finished done podcasting. We're done. I think we're done finished podcasting. <laughs> We done done finished. We done done finished podcasting. That's podcasting. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming and they don't
ending every podcast that I'm ever on from now on by playing Careless Whisper Badly on the Flute. I don't care. It's so funny. Because it's like really piercing. I'm going to stop my ambassador now. It's so piercing. Yeah. I think it's, we made, it's bad is what it is. I think we made a very good podcast. <laughs>